I'm Caroline Hansen, and this is Love Parent Love, the podcast. Each episode, I invite my guests to talk about their conscious parenting journey. I ask them to share their stories, experiences, and insights, because it's through stories that we learn from one another, and we begin to feel less isolated. My intention is to change the world through parenting, to encourage parents to understand the behavioural challenges of their children so they can develop emotional maturity and create a harmonious family dynamic together. My mission for this podcast is to share the conscious parenting stories of others in order that we can better support one another. Parenting in times of stress can feel desperate and isolated. Conscious parenting is a modern parenting paradigm and as such, it can feel very lonely. It's my hope that these podcasts embolden you to build your conscious parenting toolbox and nourish you to accept and cherish your child and your own chisel. Welcome to Love Parent Love, the podcast with me, Caroline Hansen, and today I'm joined by Henrietta Nelson. Um, Henrietta and I have known each other for a very long time, three or four years, I think, and throughout that we've worked very closely together in many different areas. She may want to expand on that a little bit. Uh, It's really a pleasure to have her here today for her to talk about her conscious parenting journey and uh, a little bit about what she's learnt along the way. So welcome, Henrietta, and would you mind sharing a little bit about you and your family dynamic? Sure. Um, so I have three daughters, um, who are now aged 10, seven and five. Mm-hmm. Um, I always sometimes have to question myself and remind myself quite how old they've got. It seems like I'm very quickly. Um, and, uh, my husband, Tom, uh, who, and we now, we moved to the country last year. So we live in Northamptonshire and mm-hmm. um, they're obviously all now at school. Um, and I'm, I'm really thankful to, um, to, to your introduction to the conscious parenting um, ideas because I think it has my parenting has changed over the time the 10 years of me being a parent so when did you discover conscious parenting when did it first come into your I'd certainly never heard of it before meeting you Um, (laughs) (laughs) and I think as I said to you before we came on recording I'm still not entirely sure what it is Um, what I think it is is um I think often we just parent from the parenting that we ourselves had um, and because that's the only, you know, insight into parenting, a deep insight into parenting we've ever had. So often we just um, repeat uh, how we were parented and we think that's what you do. That's how you mother or that's, yeah, that's how you you be a parent. And um, so I see conscious parenting as as sort of looking at, it's more, more, yeah, sort of giving some real thought as to how you want to parent. and maybe making some adjustments um, in light of what you know, in light of what you've seen, in light of where the world has gone in terms of its knowledge about, um, you know, what people do and don't need. And so I think it was meeting you that introduced me to the idea that I didn't necessarily have to parent in the way I had been parenting, and there was a sort of other ways of doing it. Had you questioned it before then? Um... It's so difficult to go back in time, and uh, I don't know is the answer. Right. Um, I can't go back in time. Sometimes I think I possibly, I knew that I was struggling in certain areas, so possibly then that might have led me to think, 
there might be is there is there another way yeah and I guess the question is around this word conscious right what does conscious actually mean Mm. so what does that mean to you because conscious parenting can sound a little bit of an odd concept just in itself those two words it's hard to translate them how does it translate for you that word specifically conscious take away the parenting bit well I think it's um I think before you introduced me to the concept I was just I was sort of unconsciously parenting probably which is um just sort of doing it the way I'd seen it done and um not not sort of taking it as a as almost like I suppose not seeing parenting as a sort of thing that had to be done proactively like it was like yeah I responded to my children's need or reacted sometimes uh, to whatever was going on but not I never had consciously given thought to how I wanted to parent or how I wanted to be with my children so I think that's it it's sort of like a I'm making a conscious decision that I want this my parenting to be about this well yeah so that's all well and good. So you're in the crazy moment of something going crackers in front of you and you've got a child that's in a blob on the floor. Do you find that you respond differently or react differently now in that moment? Do you find you can... And, and if you do, how do you do it? What happens within you? I'm, I'm very wary of, of making this an always um, because, um, like anyone, I'm, I'm human and sometimes I will slip up. Absolutely. Um, uh, and Me I think too. that's been a really great message that you've always instilled in us is that sometimes we get it right. You know, it's not. I don't like the idea of not we getting it right. Sometimes we respond in a helpful way, yeah. and sometimes we respond in a possibly not so helpful way. Sure. Um, so yes, I think you have taught me uh, to, to let there be a space sometimes before you react, which often allows you to. Um, make a make a more sensible to, to respond more sensibly than, than just to react as to what what comes up for you um so, so talking about that pause I, I think I remember I sort of you know just that deep breath sometimes of just saying um you know that uh there's that and then there's also the understanding that when they are in a pile on the floor um there's something going on for them and um, that they can't necessarily put into words and so that's the only words they know are, are lying in a tantrum on the floor and so, yes, acting with compassion to that, that they're just struggling with something and you might not know what it is and it might be, it might seem completely ridiculous to you what they're struggling with, but to them it feels very real. Um, and so not to apply my grown-up uh, brain uh, and understanding to what they're going through because it feels real to them. I love that. Absolutely. So that, isn't it? So we've got a grown-up brain and we have this expectation of our kids to also have a grown-up brain especially our eldest right so when we've got yeah. multiple children our eldest often has we impose this expectation that they should be behaving like us yeah and at 10 in your case you know 19 in mine they can't yeah. yet and that's always where I trip up and I've noticed that my 10 year old is 10 and my five year old my youngest is five I treat her so much more like the baby I'm so much more forgiving I think when because my youngest was um, born when my eldest now was five. And I think by that stage, I was like, well, she's pretty grown up. Mm. Of course, I realise now the older she she gets, how she really is. And, and I have to even remind myself now that she's 10. She's kind of 
she's tall, she's almost, she's sort of, we worked out she's as tall as her grandmother now. <laughs> and some people can still expect too much of her, you know. Yeah. I have to remind myself. And it's, she's, she's sometimes what she's sort of into is very sweet reminder of where her, you know, brain is still going and the puppies and things like that are still mean the world to her. So that's a good reminder because physically she's looking much older than that. And so, yeah, I, sort of, I always have to remind myself. That she's so what's she young. into? What sort of things does that manifest like? Um, oh, she, I mean, dogs, anything to do with puppies and dogs and creating, making little things of, um, past, you know, using this FIMO thing with, you know, but it's all, it's all about. And so reminding me of that and how different she is to an adult yeah. is, is really important. Um, when, you, when you look at that um, you realize that sometimes her behavior is going to reflect the fact that she is 10 obviously yeah oh, that really up. speaks to me when I was 10 I was physically fully developed and the expectation of adults around me was that I was going to behave like an adult the expectation of kids around me was that I was going to behave like an adult and yeah. having to grow up that quickly because my the expectations around me was that meant I think that there's part of me that hasn't grown up yet because it wasn't allowed to. Yeah. Funny, yeah. right? Yeah. And so allowing kids to to wallow in childhood, and I mean properly wallow in childhood, is is a gift. Yeah. It so really much. is a gift. And the more the older I get, the older I get, the more I realise I don't know. And the more <laughs> comfortable I get with that. And so I'm kind of I'm okay with them not knowing in a funny way. That makes so much sense. I love that. Yeah, the older I get, the more I realise I don't know. <laughs> it's so true. Yeah, true for me too. Yeah. So can you, if I were to ask you to distill what you've learned into one specific insightful moment, would you be able to do that? Mm. There's something that comes to mind. What I've really, really seen and this is um, through you know what we've spoken about in the conscious parenting course but also in my own life of coaching um is the value in listening like not just listening kind of like while you're kind of slightly distracted thinking you know when are you going to get to the shops later but listening in a really deep um way when they have all of your attention mm. um and kind of it sounds a bit corny but listening really from the heart rather than listening kind of you know just with your ears hmm. listening from the heart and really connecting with them um I think is is so powerful yeah. um and when they feel that they've got all of you like not just your head or something when they feel they've got all of you they sense it and yeah they, there's there's a re they really respond really well to that yeah I've been learning recently through Gabor Mate about the three different centers of learning, of, of knowledge, sorry, of knowing. The knowing that's your, in your brain, so the intellectual knowledge that you have, the knowledge of your heart, so the, the loving part, I guess, and the knowledge of your stomach, your instinct. And yeah. then when those three are working together, then you're fully present. And yeah. in that full presence, you are able to connect and you are able to fully understand what's happening with your child. Now, it's not easy to do, right? It's not easy to do, especially if we're not in the practice of doing it. It takes a lot of practice. Yeah. And it takes a lot of sinking into the moment and letting the whole body experience what's going on in front of you, which also sounds really corny, right? 
And let's be practical here. You can't do that. You know, you might only do that, uh, you know, with each child once a week or something. It's not something you can do all the time because often you will be chatting to them while you're driving, Mm -hmm. while you're making dinner. So I'm not putting the expectation that it's always got to be like that. I think just that they they know that that if they need you, that that is there and that you might have one, you know, you might sort of specifically say, I haven't had a real proper chat with X for, mm-hmm. you know, this long. So I, I'm going to make time to have, have that, that, that chat. Really important point. Go on, you're about to say something else, I think. I don't think I was, no. Lost okay, you look like you were and I think I've stopped you in your train of thought. Sorry, love. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's a really important point. It doesn't need to be all the time. And in fact, so long as the moments when it does happen, that the full engagement is there, the full engagement of you is there, that's what really matters. Because in those moments of full engagement, you may, you're saying to your child, without saying the words, you matter, you really matter to me. Yeah. And our time together is of incredible value. Yeah. And what a strong message. What child yeah. doesn't want to hear that? Yeah. In fact, what child doesn't want to hear that before they want to hear anything that you've got to say any advice you've got to give any direction that you need to you know any education that you want to to share with them I'd go further than that I wouldn't say any child I'd actually say any human being yeah I um, agree <laughs> yeah um you know every so often that absolute undivided attention yeah really special yeah so that and leads can, me go you can see particularly my eldest really blooms when we're having those sort of, she said, she sometimes say to me, because she really enjoys them, like, mom, can we have a chat? And yeah. I'll go and lie in her bed and she can, you can just see her. Yeah, just loving it. It's really sweet. You can see her you know, really sort of feeling really special through that. And starting to melt, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 I was noticing, so my 12-year-old, I was noticing last night, so she's starting to step away quite a lot. And, of course, this is the point in the tween teen years when they're wanting to step away from you and they're trying to gain their independence. So there's more of a prickle between us before she lets me in. So I need to have even more patience than I did have before. Because before, if I said, you know, she would say to me, I want to have a chat, I want to spend some time with you, and I'd say, yeah, but to her, exactly the same. Can we spend some time together? Yes, of course, mummy. Yes, what are we going to do? Now it's like, oh, no, too tired. I've got something I want to, you know, want to call my friend. I want to do my homework. I want to, rarely, do, I want to do my homework. Sorry, that wasn't a very good example. <laughs> you get the picture. Yeah. It's a different thing. So I have to add even more patience to that yeah. moment and allow more space in between the, oh, I've clocked, you need a bit of time. Or, oh, I've clocked, I haven't spent any time with you. And the time actually happening yeah. and knowing that she wants to do it in her speed not my speed you know yeah. when she's ready not when I'm ready yeah. so that takes a little bit of respect yeah yeah and a bit of digging deep yeah yeah so um that what you've what you've just been talking about you know creating a little bit of space being fully present for me, a really important lead up to being able to be fully present is a regular touch point with meditation. And we've talked about meditation together. And I wondered how your meditation journey is going generally and whether, if and when you do do it, whether it helps. Well, um, it does. I love meditation, but I've got to be honest, I haven't sometimes it can be another thing for me to do and I don't always make time for it. Mm. Um, 
What I have realized though, um, because I've I've learned more and more about the power of presence and real presence, I when I'm working and I'm with a client, that's kind of the space I, I try to be in where I literally have nothing on my mind, that I'm just purely um present with whoever I'm with. And so in that sense, I sort of feel like that is meditation in a funny way, because I've, I'm out of my head. I'm purely just with them. Yeah. And I think that may be the meditation, that may be the space for me, because I feel so, when I'm in that space, I feel very calm. Um, I feel very present. And so I think that's maybe where I'm coming to. Um, and sometimes if I'm really wound up, I sometimes say, oh, I need to meditate, I need to meditate. But then I can't get there because I'm wound up in a funny way, and I need to then go and have a walk, or because the med- I'm not I'm so far away from that meditative state. So I love meditation, and I love it with you, and I see the benefits of it. Um, but I'm finding my way, and my way I think it can you know is is sort of with you know deep presence with with people actually. Yeah, meditation takes different forms for different people, I think. And that's an important thing to note. And you're right, if it's another thing on your to-do list, then you ain't going to be able to sink into the moment. (laughs) Oh, I need to relax now. Oh, yeah. Hmm. It's not coming. It doesn't come. You're absolutely right. Yeah. For me, it's been a, a, a regular, through a regular practice. And I mean, I don't mean an everyday necessarily, sometimes an everyday practice, but a weekly practice. That in doing that, and committing to that in itself has brought me closer to being present yeah. more often with the children. Yeah. But you're right, we each find our own way, right? Mm-hmm. Totally. I think presence is just learning to, yeah, learning to truly be in your heart, you know, there. And, and that's, that's kind of what meditation, I think, is doing, um, is that just taking you down. Uh, uh, kind of down to your heart um yeah and I can be that in, in deep presence so referring back to what I was saying about Gabor Mate saying that these three areas of knowledge your intellect your heart and your instinct I'm guessing when you're coaching your intellect is in in play because you've got lots of things that you've learned to apply and it and it is triggered by your instinct and your heart as you're in that present moment. Is that a fair representation or is it not? It's actually, no, I'm, I've been doing this new course and basically it's entirely switching off my intellect, um, which has been quite a journey for me. Um, but I'm learning these, these new, um, this new way and it's kind of like I'm, I'm working with this coach who's been coaching for 40 years and he always says, when I go into a coaching session I'm just dumb I'm like all I am is kind of present I don't have any ideas of where I want it to go because if if that that happens it that comes back to control I'm starting to want to control my my intellect it's kind of it sort of tries to want to control where the conversation is going or it starts it starts coming up with you know thoughts or bits of advice and um and that's not that's not presence that's only half presence when I'm there um and so this is a new way which is yeah going in like completely down really because what I've learned is that 
the most powerful tool for change is a client having an insight themselves. Like, and it's a deep insight that they will feel bodily, kind of within their body. Mm-hmm. And that is what changes things um, far more powerfully than um, me saying, have you thought about doing this? What about doing that? Or shall we fill in that, that, you know, should we answer those questions or do that? You know, for me, you know, when, when I have those deep insights, because I've seen it obviously the other side, and those insights are what changes everything, not kind of, oh, I should be doing that, I should be doing that, because my coach says. It's when, um, when I enter into that space, that sort of deeper space, that's where the insights come. And I think as a coach, my role is to create an insight-friendly space for the client. Beautiful. Wow. Going off conscious parenting. This no, is going but on. I don't think it does go off. I mean, this is your reality of it. This is your work life running alongside your parenting life, right? Mm-hmm. And that's going to translate. Of course, mm-hmm. it's going to translate. And that, well, it's beautiful what you just said, Henrietta. It was really heartfelt and really strong and powerful. Um, and in practicing that, as you said, and you started off saying, it becomes more, more available to do that with your children. Mm-hmm. Now, doing it with your children as opposed to doing it with a client is a very different gig because the yeah. triggers and the emotions that are, yeah. you know, that that arise when we're working alongside our children are really quite significant. Yeah. Because that urge to help that you've just referred to is so powerful. Yes, it's yes. overwhelming. And it's what we've been taught is what we should be doing. We should be fixing everything with our kids, yeah. making everything better giving them a perfect life, ensuring that they're happy all the time. Yeah. So, yeah. And that's something that um, I, I often notice that when I'm most triggered is when I'm most being controlling. It's when I'm trying to control. I'm trying to uh, control things and work out what's going to happen, and that's when I get... And so the more I get into this journey, the more I'm, I'm letting go of control and just... Um, uh trusting in the unfolding um and there are times when obviously I do need to control like you know this morning they're sort of faddling fiddling around when I want them to get to school and then I do have to say come on you know so there's that but yeah the less I try and control the less triggered I am I think Mm -hmm. what I've seen in the letting go in the letting go what happens in the letting go tell me a bit more about that in the letting go, it just becomes less important. What if I try and control everything? I, I that's when I get stressed and, and tense. Mm-hmm. If I let go, um, you know what will be will be. And obviously, there are contexts where I can't let go. You know, if the child's about to sort of stick their hand into a socket. Obviously, then then I there are part. You know, but I suppose it's just a question. You know, questioning yourself and saying, is this important? You know, does this? Do I need to control this situation? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's an unlearning from for me. Um, I think I definitely began my parenting journey thinking I had to control everything and be at the helm, like kind of a kind of like a driver who was sort of driving three cars. You know, kind of like I have to sort of control the direction each of these cars is going in, and and um, yeah, and and I can't do that. So I'm trying to control the uncontrollable. So of course uh, I will get frustrated if I try and do that. 
And actually, um, I heard a really lovely analogy when someone uh, was being coached and, and learning about this, this, um, these principles that I'm, I'm working with. And they said, oh, so yeah, it's been amazing working with you. I've learned that I can let go of the reins a little more. And, um, and the coach said, yeah, you can let go of the reins, but you you were always riding on the on a on a um, rocking child rocking horse being driven along by a pickup truck. So you were <laughs> in control in the first place. We just thought we were. Um, and I think that's a really kind of great you know analogy for it. We think we're more in control than we are, um, and so that that's been a that's been a process of letting go. I love that the idea of you trying to be in well. That's my dog making a noise. Sorry, he's just stretching. <laughs> if you imagine that the the three trucks that you've just talked about, so each one representing your daughters, right? Mm. And if you try and if you were to try and be in the driving seat for each of them, it means you're expecting each of them to go in the same direction. Yeah. Because it's utterly impossible to let one go off in a different way, and for you to be able to jump from one to the next. Yeah. So letting those letting that go over to your daughters, allowing them to drive their own truck. Yeah. Metaphorically, really, really. <laughs> means that they can be who they want to be, right? So they can grow into a comfort in their own authenticity rather yeah. than your expectation of what their authenticity or what your expectation of who they're going to be, right? And we make an assumption often that we have more than one child, that they're all going to be exactly the same. And that when we parent them in in a certain way, that they'll all follow suit. You know, yeah. there's often like, well, if the elder one behaves well, then the rest will behave as well. And I completely fell into that trap. Yeah, I did too. Totally mm. and utterly. I fell hook, line and sinker. Mm. And it's taken me a long time to unlearn it, just as you're talking about. And I'm still unlearning it, yeah. without a doubt, every step of the way. Yeah, yeah. and sometimes it hurts. <laughs> and sometimes <laughs> it's easy, right? Yeah, the other thing I'm learning as well is not to try not to place labels on children um, because, you know, they then feel a pressure to conform to that. Even if it's a really complimentary label, like, oh, you're the organised one or you're this one, you know, that can really sort of, they, that become, they take that on as an identity and they feel they have to live into that identity and that if they don't, then that you might just, you might feel disappointed or and so I'm really, and I, there, there is a real instinct that wants to do that, to kind of give them these labels. But um, I'm, I'm trying more and more not to do that. Yeah, lovely. I especially, I think, if it's a complimentary label. Yeah. Because it means they need to live up to that expectation. Yeah. Um, you know, you're the organised one. Oh, shit, I need to be always organised. Then when I'm not, I'm going to disappoint my parents. I'm going to let them down. Oh, how awful. I need to continue to do that. Yeah. And that's how I get my love. I get my love by being, yeah, by being the organised one. Yeah. If I, if I let them down, I won't get, get their love. Yeah. I think there's often a well-behaved child within a household who feels they need to continue to be well-behaved in order to be, as you say, loved. Yeah. To order to be, to fit into the family dynamic because that's their role. Yeah. What is such a pity, right? Yeah. The other thing I love that you introduced to me, and I think this is really a great um, tip, is touch the importance of just touch just as you said little hair rustles mm. you know or, or you know if you can get away with a hug a hug and I really see my children respond to that actually and I kind of of course I did do it but I didn't this is a probably an example of what conscious parents did. I did it 
I didn't do it consciously. And so there may have been days where I did it not self, you know, so, but that's just a, again, I see them respond really well to that. Um, and particularly my middle one, who is very kind of huggy. Sometimes if she's just really upset about something, that's just all she needs, a really big hug, and, and that will all just, you know, dissipate. Yeah. And my youngest is quite like that too, actually. Um, but that's something that, that um, I, I really see the value in. Yeah. They need that. They don't need us to fix it, right? They don't need to go in and saying, well, what you need to do is, and there's the moment that I find tricky. That bit of like you can see something in front front of you. You know what would work for you. You know yeah. the years and years of experience and knowledge that you've built up. And you think, gosh, if I share that now, it's going to solve everything. That's mm-hmm. uh, not how it works, is it? The, the video you shared us with the girl with the nail in her head is the most brilliant uh, <laughs> example of that. Yeah. Just shush. Yeah. Shut up. Be quiet. Listen in. Yeah. Feel in. Be present. All the stuff we've just talked about. So I wanted to ask you specifically, if you could recommend a conscious parenting book, is there any in specific that you've read or in particular that you've read that you would like to to share here? There may not be, and that's also fine. There isn't. I'm waiting for you to write a book, Caroline. So, uh... <laughs> <laughs> no, you are the source of all of my conscious parenting knowledge, I have to say. Oh, then I need to get you reading some more because that's not good. You need to spread your oh. wings. I've got lots of different ideas for you. Yeah, no, I haven't actually. Um, I mean, I, I think actually more and more, though, the more I learn in my coaching, the more that, that does apply, really, because yeah. it's people. And yes, children are, have, are slightly different. They are still people. Um, so, um, yeah. What about podcasts? Are there any that you particularly listen to you think are really helpful? I do love, I love another kind of podcast. I think that's really interesting. Yeah. Um, that's definitely um, educated me. Uh, yes, around that. Um, but no, you're, you're the source of all my knowledge so far. Okay, so we need to expand that then, for sure. <laughs> all right, we're coming to the end, Henrietta, of our chat. And I love this. It's been brilliant. Really, really brilliant. I'm really excited about what we've talked about um I've asked um my last guest and I'll ask future guests to read out a letter that they've written to themselves and that you'd like to share here Mm. on the podcast are you ready to do that so a gift if you like to to other parents as they start their journey Okay, should I just go? Yep, go for it, lovely, please. Trust yourself. Your inner wisdom is the best guide there is. You will trip up whenever you stop listening to yourself and start looking outside for answers. You'll you'll be so busy thinking about doing the right thing, you won't be present to what's happening before your eyes. Your presence and your love is far and away the greatest gift you can give to your children. Who your children are and who they turn into is way beyond your control. Your children are not pieces of clay you can mould. They are unique, beautiful roses that will blossom of their own accord. All you can do is tend and nurture them as best you know how. Listen to them, hug them and remind them that they are loved as often as you can. They may not always have the words to tell you what's going on, but knowing they are loved is the best medicine there is. Go easy on yourself. Everything is a phase. 
Enjoy the good phases and know the bad ones will pass. You will sleep again. You're setting out on the most beautiful adventure of the unknown. Sometimes the path will seem difficult and uncertain, but keep walking and the route will reveal itself just when you need it. Um, and then I end at P.S. That bit about the minutes going slowly and the years passing quickly is very true. And that's that. Oh, that's lovely. I've got goosebumps. <laughs> Henrietta, thank you. Thank you for your time and thank you for sharing your insights and your parenting journey. It's been a pleasure. It's been a real joy. Thank, thank you. Very you. Much